episode 81 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. You know, most weeks I, I start by, you know, saying it was a tough week, you know, figuring out what to talk about and what to prioritize, what was the top of the of the list as far as newsworthy things in the world of Knicks and NBA hoops. Not too difficult this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the blockbuster four-team trade that sent James Harden to the Nets and sent Victor Oladipo to the Rockets. We'll talk about that. That's already being swept under the rug a little bit, and we'll dive a little bit further into that, especially in the second half of the show, because a lot of it, a lot of teams are affected. That's just two of the teams that have been impacted by this trade. We'll dive into all four teams, who won the trade and all that, what it means for Brooklyn coming up later on in the show, but we got to dive into a tough week for the Knicks with, I mean, again, some good play mixed in there, some silver linings, especially I thought from the Brooklyn game, it seems like a lot of people that work on the posting and toasting site seemed to agree with that. So it's one of those things where, we start with last week, kind of, where we ended off, and it was it was one of those things where it started out with, you know, me being really excited, and I think rightfully so. I'm not going to go back and say, well, we didn't have a right to be excited about where the Knicks were a week ago. We did. Uh, the Knicks were playing ex- extremely well. They had beaten some really good teams in the NBA. But this is how the season, you know, we thought could turn. I mean, there's always a possibility with a team that's, you know, not there yet that this can happen. And it's frustrating. No question about it. I was talking with a number of buddies of mine who follow the Knicks closely this week. And I think the consensus was, A, this was always going to happen at some point. And B, that, you know, the Knicks could easily turn it around and go on another winning streak. It's going to be that kind of a year. Just frustrating, I think, the way the Knicks have played. I think that's, especially in the in the games after last week's show in particular, I remember watching the Thunder game, uh, I think right around the recording of the show, and then uh, towards the end started the recording when, when the game was over. And just remember thinking, you know, man, that was a game the Knicks really could have won. That was a game they kind of let get away from them in the fourth quarter. And... You know, I, I, that was that was a game I was able to watch wire to wire, and the the Knicks started out really well in the first quarter. I thought again, listen, it was a poor shooting game from both teams. I think that's worth mentioning. But the Knicks were able to weather that storm in the first quarter, and then in the second quarter, OKC kind of slowly took the momentum back, and Shea Gildas Alexander had a big game for for OKC and really shined. I thought in the second half. And slowly but surely, OKC built the lead and, and ended up putting the Knicks away late in the fourth quarter. You know, it, it didn't help that, you know, RJ Barrett had a poor shooting night, uh, as did um, Alfred Payton, who was shot really poorly from the field, got most of his points, almost half of his points, actually, pardon, from the free throw line. And Austin Rivers had a really poor night off the bench, so not a lot of juice off the bench as well. Kevin Knox kind of didn't bring a ton either off the bench, was a bit Jekyll and Hyde in the second half, and the Knicks lose a game they probably should have won 101-89. to They kept OKC within arm's length for most of the game, 
and then OKC kind of killed them softly in the fourth and put the game away. So disappointing. I, I thought that that was a big opportunity for the Knicks to really go on a run, gain some momentum, and turn it into an opportunity to to maybe get into a race here. You know, that kind of a deal, but didn't work out. They lose a game I thought they probably should have won, you know, going in. And I remember leaving leaving last week's show thinking, you know, maybe you know, maybe the Knicks win this game. I'm thinking they're gonna win and then they go on and maybe take some momentum into these next three games and they lost and they haven't recovered since. They they kinda you know, took that loss with them into the Denver game, and they never really got going in the game. I think the Knicks uh, were really were really flat in the first half against Denver at home, and I don't know what it is. The, the, the games at home for the Knicks have seemed to be a little bit flatter for some reason, maybe because there's no crowd. I, I don't know, but the, the, the Knicks have not played well at home this season. Their road The road games have been where the Knicks have shined the most, I would argue, this season, but that that's a that's a really a discussion for another time. Just just a random thought of trying to explain really what's been going on. But really, it's been da- it's coming down to, to shooting. It really has come down to the shooting from the field that has plagued the Knicks over the last couple of games. I mean, especially from three. You know, the Knicks shot only twenty eight percent from three against Denver, and nobody made more than two in the Denver loss. I mean, it's it's frustrating. You know, that's kind of where it starts. And then you had three guys take a lot of shots, two of them very inefficient, Nelford Payton and R.J. Barrett, who I have to say has been very suspect over the last couple of weeks. Again, kind of kind of swept it under the rug because uh, the Knicks were winning, but it's starting to show But R.J. Barrett has been struggling shooting the basketball the last couple of weeks. It's It's been something we haven't talked about probably enough on this show. And listen, you can't keep relying on bench guys like Austin Rivers and Kevin Knox. You got to have these starters step up and get their shooting right. Just hasn't been happening during these last few weeks, uh, specifically the last uh, week and a half. So, and listen, you know, rookies are going to struggle. Emmanuel quickly did not play well in the Denver game. I thought he was really poor. Didn't make a shot from the field. His All of his points, four of them came from the free throw line. And then the Knicks kind of got waxed in this game by Denver. It was a slow burn, <laughs> especially in the second half. But Denver did most of its damage in the second quarter, and the Knicks did not recover. So, you know, listen, Denver's a very a very good team. You got to remember that as well. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is a, a, a all-time big of this era kind of player, potentially, on this team. But to be fair, the Knicks didn't let anybody else get away from them. But the fact that, you know, five players other than Jokic finished in double figures tells you the whole story. And by the way, the bench, the bench for, for Denver sank the Knicks. That was really the difference in this game. The Knicks bench, again, little here, little there. Out of, I think, 10 players that played off the bench for Denver, eight of them scored. Three of them scored in double figures and a fourth had eight points. That's depth right there. The Knicks, again, you know, six from Knox, six from Rivers. Dennis Smith Jr. played a little bit, scored a bucket, made a couple of free throws, and again, Emmanuel quickly struggled shooting the basketball as well. So the Knicks lose 114 to 89. Just realized that they actually scored 89 points in two straight games. Well, they did one worse in the <laughs> in the Charlotte game. They only scored 88 points in a 109-88 loss in Charlotte 
to uh, really they succumbed to, to two things one another slow start the Knicks lost every quarter in this game they never really shined in this game it, it was you know the starters were balanced you know Kevin Knox was probably the brightest spot of the entire game he had 19 points made five triples took a lot of shots because he kind of had to you know we didn't see much from the, the deep bench starters you know quickly was really poor again from the field and RJ Barrett again really poor from the field combined quickly and Barrett went 0 for 11 from downtown the Knicks shot 24 percent from three and again you look at that on top of the fact on top of the fact that you know Gordon Hayward did whatever he wanted in that game 34 points 10 of 10 from the free throw line and you let LaMelo Ball get 14 rebounds I still don't know how the heck that happened so really a frustrating game for the Knicks uh the bench didn't do a whole lot for Charlotte but but the starters did all they needed you know uh Devontae Graham had 19 Rozier didn't play great but he had 12 points played good defense and former Kentucky uh Kentucky man in college PJ Washington struggled but still contributed on the defensive end of the floor so it 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 was a win that charlotte you know showed that they are a team to look out for in the east to a certain extent defensively but again the knicks just didn't shoot the ball well from the floor again and on top of that from three it's just been dreadful over the last week and a half the knicks have just not been good enough shooting the ball from downtown and it has really come back to haunt them in these games so I, I again watching the brooklyn game my thought was, and again we'll get to the james harden trade in a second knicks I, you know i thought i thought the knicks got a much better performance specifically in the second half again they lose the game um 116 to 109 it, it ended up being a tight game down the stretch knicks shot much better from three you know uh, they shot, I think, just under 40%, 39, 39.3% from three. Much better. Uh, but to be fair, you know, this is a tough team. Kevin Durant, despite the shorthandedness of the Nets due to the trade for James Harden, you know, Kevin Durant can still win games by himself, obviously, at 26 points. Not to be outdone, Julius Randle poured in 30 for the Knicks and played much better uh, that night against Brooklyn. And despite, again, despite no uh, Karis LeVert, who had been traded, you know, obviously the Nets are without Spencer Dinwiddie. They didn't get a ton from Landry Shamit. And really the, the, the role player that probably played the best in the game was Joe Harris, who really only killed the Knicks from three. So that's when that's what he does. So Bruce Brown added a bit as well. Really, it was it was the defense down the stretch. Brooklyn kind of held on in this game. It was again the Knicks did not play well in the second quarter. That kind of put them behind the eight ball in this game. The Knicks tried to rescue it in the fourth. Not enough time to get it back, and Brooklyn holds on for a seven point win for the first uh, game between these two with Kevin Durant leading them. So listen, I, I think R.J. Barrett 
got a little bit better in this game, or I should, I should say, got a little bit better, got back on track in this game, 20 points, we, we, you know, got back to seeing earlier in the season, Julius Randle in this game as well, and, and to be fair, and this is what's going to happen throughout, throughout this season, Emmanuel quickly had a big night, 19 points on 15 shots from the field, and, and kind of shot his way out of the slump, and, and that's going to happen with a rookie, like Emmanuel quickly is getting a lot of run early in his first NBA season. So I, I, I enjoyed what I saw from him. You know, I saw a lot of people ripping Alfred Payton and, and to be fair. And again, I've been, I've been a supporter of his because of what the Knicks have at their disposal at the point guard position for a little while here. And I, I have to say he's been really poor the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe about a week and a half since this stretch has gone on. He's been a big reason why the Knicks have been struggling no question about it. Listen, he had four assists, six rebounds, only two turnovers, but three of 11 from the field, seven points. You need more out of that, more out of your point guard than that if you're the Knicks. And again, defensively, the Knicks have been, uh, you know, keeping themselves around in some of these games, but they're not shooting the basketball well enough for it to show up on the scoreboard. You know, again, the these have been all double-digit losses, you know, with exception of the Brooklyn game. But the Knicks are keeping themselves around. I mean, again, if the Knicks are shooting anywhere near where they normally shoot in these games, they are very much in it, if not winning the game. So the offense has just not been getting it done. It's a make-or-miss league, and the Knicks have not been making enough over the last few games. No question about that. Again, it got a little bit better against Brooklyn. Knicks shot 39% from three, just to tick over that. So it's it's hopefully getting back in the right direction it was just concerning the game that concerned me the most honestly was the was the charlotte game i was really not happy with the way the knicks came out in that game they didn't really have a ton of energy to be fair you could say the same thing about the okc game but both teams were really struggling in that first quarter for offense the knicks benefited from that by grinding out some points and then Slowly but surely, OKC took the momentum and put the Knicks away in the fourth. So it's been a difficult week, but to be fair, this was always, you know, a possibility. It's about the way the Knicks respond going forward. They have a very winnable game tomorrow at Cleveland, where I think the Knicks could really, they have another big opportunity here to right the ship. And and again, the, the thing with a team like this, where not only are there, it's a younger team, it's a team that's trying to learn how to win under a great coach in Tom Thibodeau. The earlier the Knicks end this winning, this excuse me, end the losing streak, pardon me, the better. The quicker they can get in the win column, the better, because then they can turn that into multiple wins. That's the kind of team the Knicks are probably going to be this year. They go through stretches where it's going well, they're winning games, it's clicking, they're shooting the basketball, and then when they're not shooting the basketball, well, they can still defend, they can still grind out games, but they're not going to keep up if they can't shoot the ball well from the field, let alone from downtown. So uh, it was concerning for me, the Charlotte game. Again, it is a little concerning. The Knicks have struggled quite a bit at home recently as well. But I I think on top of that, you got to remember they played some really tough teams early on. And this was just a tough stretch where the Knicks just did not shoot the basketball well for most of it and paid the price. It's going to happen to a team like this in the development stage in the NBA. They're going to go through stretches like this. And while they have, they're still in this race in the division. They're still, it's early, 12 games, five and seven's not great. But I I feel like a win over Cleveland 
puts things back on the right track. But we'll see. You know, again, Cleveland's not off to a bad start. They're playing okay basketball at the start of the season. We'll see how it goes. The reason the game's really important, I think, is because who the Knicks play after. Who the Knicks play after that. Cleveland's a team that, again, started out strong. They've been playing okay, but they're also on a three-game losing streak. So it's an opportunity because Boston at away after that. Then Orlando at home, Golden State, Sacramento, Portland, Utah. Four straight road games out west. I think that's why this Cleveland game is big. Because the Knicks are going to play five of their next six on the road after that. Four of them in a row out west. You know, I guess, is I don't know if this is the... Um, it, it, this is a normal West road trip for the Knicks. I just don't remember what, what event normally, I guess it's a mixture of things that could be an event at the garden that kind of pushes the Knicks out West for that long stretch. You know, the Lakers and the Clippers have a Grammy, you know, trip where they leave so the Grammys can come and do their thing. This is kind of the Knicks version of that. I, I, I don't know if the Emmys are going to be at the garden. I don't, I don't know. I don't know any of that. Don't ask me about any of that. I don't know, but th- this is their normal road trip where they go out West and the garden does other things normally. So and again, and again, in a pandemic, I don't know what they're doing. So it's it's one of those things where the Knicks are just out on the road for another long stretch. And to be fair, even when you dive into February, the Knicks are not at home a lot going through like February 12th. The Knicks are going to be on the road quite a bit after, uh, well, actually including this, this two game road stretch, just looking at the full schedule, Cleveland, Boston, then four on the road after Orlando at home, then two on the two at home, two on the road, two at home, two on the road. And it, it's, so count that all up, 10 of the next 15 for the Knicks are on the road. So it's a tough stretch coming up for New York. So that's, I, I just feel like this next game against Cleveland is a big game. I feel like if the Knicks can get it, this would be a very big opportunity for them to, to write the ship, maybe get some momentum going into Boston and then see what you can get. See, we can, you can manage in an early season game in Boston, but listen, I get it. It's frustrating. I I was frustrated earlier this week, talking with a couple buddies of mine, just trying to figure out what was going on with the shooting. And listen, I get the frustrations about Alfred Payton. Uh, I, 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 Little surprise, I think. I think for me, how how poor R.J. Barrett's been from the field the last couple of weeks. Feels like at times he's rushing it a little bit, maybe trying to do a little bit too much at times. He's still a young guy, his second year in the league. These are still things he's got to figure out. They're gonna, he's gonna be guarded tighter. He's got things that he's got to, you know, kind of manage from a mental standpoint moving forward. We'll we'll see. I, I, he'll be fine, I think. It's just one of those things where. It's not just him, to be fair. It's the whole team not performing well on the offensive end of the floor, not being nearly as efficient as they were earlier in the season. And 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 again, in a league where you need to put up shots and make a lot of threes, the Knicks are not doing that at the moment. They they got closer to that against Brooklyn, but they just gave themselves too big of a hole to dig out of from that 15-point uh, difference in the second quarter that put Brooklyn over the top. So we'll see. We'll see how the how the Knicks handle these next few games. I think this is a big weekend for the Knicks. If they can get a split here, I, I feel like you can have some confidence hosting Orlando next week and then see how they do on the road, where, where it's going to be a tough week. I mean, the next time we talk, they'll be about to play Golden State. Or, should, excuse me, they will have just played Golden State. So we'll be right in the middle of that three, excuse me, four-game road trip where they're all out west. So... 
We'll see how it goes, but for right now, the Knicks have got some work to do to get back on track and try to get some more wins on the board and keep what's been, honestly, a, a solid start to the season and get it back on track, you know, because again, they were 5-3 and three going into this stretch, and the offense has let the Knicks down over the last week and a half. We'll take a break here when we come back. The blockbuster four-team trade that sent James Harden to the Nets, and we'll talk about the COVID situation that continues to make things difficult on the NBA. Coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, we'll get to the situation with the NBA and COVID towards the end of the program. But boy, oh boy, we have got to talk about this James Harden blockbuster trade to the Nets, 14 deal, lot going on, tons of teams involved listen we'll, we'll dive into uh the situation i'm actually just getting stuff coming across right now that's involving the nba and covid so i, I do want to touch on that because that's i mean that is changing honestly by the minute and also worth mentioning that that obi toppin today took another step back excuse me step forward he only didn't play a lot in the last game against brooklyn i think played about a minute so it looks like he's going to be um, getting more minutes moving forward. So that's good to see as well from the Knicks. Maybe that could give the Knicks a little bit of a boost moving forward. But let's dive into the James Harden trade. And listen, I remember talking about the rumors when they first started circulating that this was a possibility. And kind of thinking one of two things. Number one, is this the right decision? for for an organization that's got a new head coach who's never coached before in Steve Nash very very risky decision to bring him in and now you're you know you're doubling down basically by trading or potentially trading at the time for for James Harden now considering what the Nets had to give up and we didn't really know what was going to be possibly on the table to get this done but we now know what it took to get James Harden to the Nets, and it took a lot. No question about that. It, it's oh, it's borderline what the Nets gave up to get Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett from the Celtics. It, I mean, it is, it's a lot. Here's what every team in the four-team trade gets. The Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodians Karuks, don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Four unprotected first round picks, three from Brooklyn, 2022, 24, and 26, and Milwaukee, a 2022 as well, and four unprotected, four unprotected first round pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. The Nets get James Harden. That's it. That's a lot, to be fair. But again, question marks on how he's going to work with Kyrie, who's been on a sabbatical, and Kevin Durant, his former teammate for three years in Oklahoma City. The two other teams in this trade, the Indiana Pacers walk away with Karis LeVert, who I thought was going to be the future of this franchise. That's what Nets fans have been screaming for three years, that Karis LeVert is the future. Well, they just traded him away along with a 2023 second-round pick from Houston. That's worth noting as well. Cleveland is the fourth team in this deal. That was a shock to me, considering 
where the rest of these players had come from, but somehow Cleveland worked their way into this, and they get Jared Allen and Torian Prince in the deal as well. So not only do the Nets give up two of their like main young pieces in Allen and Levert, they give up a boatload of picks, a boatload of swaps, and they get one man in James Harden, who's going to make them arguably probably the best scoring offense in the league. I get, I'm hope I would hope if I'm a Nets fan, that's the plan. One of the more efficient teams in the league, because there's three good passers of the ball now on that. I mean, fantastic passers in Durant, Harden, and Irving. Those are all very, very strong passers of the ball. So you're hoping for efficiency on the offensive end as well. And on top of that, you are hoping that this team wins a championship. There's no other reason to make this move. There is no other reason to make this move other than going for an NBA championship this season. There's really no other, there's no other reasoning to do this. And a number of Brooklyn fans, you know, I, I, I did not expect some of the reaction that I saw on Twitter and from personal friends of mine reaching out to me with their thoughts. Some of them were devastated by the news. More along the lines of who they gave up to get James Harden. There were a couple of my friends even said that this, this is not good at all. This is a huge risk that could blow up the future of this franchise. Potentially, if this does not work. So this is an all or nothing move for the Brooklyn Nets. You have given up two big future pieces of the franchise. A ton of picks. And I will tell you what. You're getting a guy who wants to be there, but more along the lines that he wants to get out of Houston. And to be fair to the Brooklyn fans who are a little unsure of this, it's not like it didn't exactly work out between Harden and Westbrook in Houston. Now, Kevin Durant's a different player, different guy. But just because you re- rekindle things with your former teammate doesn't mean success will come. And the whole thing with Kyrie Irving continues to get stranger and stranger by the day. I mean, where is he? Where is Kyrie Irving? It's going to turn into a Where's Waldo? And he's going to have black black uniform in the middle of a crowd and you can't find him. That black Brooklyn Nets uniform. It's so, so weird what's going on with Kyrie Irving, which really throws this whole thing up in the air. Now, to be fair, the Nets are going to be very, very good. You have to imagine. They will try and figure this out. But is it enough to win an NBA championship? That's the question. And that's why Brooklyn Nets fans are probably thinking right now, boy, this better work. Holy smokes. Look what we just gave up. Look what we just gave up. I, it's so funny because as a Nick fan, I would get immediately excited if this happened, right? But you've got to look at the full picture. The Nets 
were progressing in the right direction with Kevin Durant when he plays, Kyrie Irving, and a really strong young core. Again, no Dinwiddie through injury. Karis Levert has been shining. Jared Allen is a, is a big that's going to really do big things in the future, you would think, in a good system. Joe Harris was re-signed to, to bring that unbelievably strong shooting acumen and, and keep it with Brooklyn. I it, It's so... It's so interesting in the NBA because two two things popped up in my head immediately when I saw the, the news that this trade was finalized. One, anything can happen in the NBA, and it was another situation where people were thinking, "Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if the I don't know if the Rockets would pull the trigger on a deal like that." And we had forgotten about this when the season started. Kind of threw it to the back, you know, to to the back burner, and said, "Yeah, it looks like Houston's not going to do it." You know, and and many thought probably for the better. See how it works with John Wall and James Harden, and you go from there. But they pulled the trigger, and Houston is in full rebuild rebuild mode now. Full rebuild mode. One hundred percent. It's done. The Houston era is over. This is it. The last straw. I mean, trading Russell Westbrook was probably a backbreaker. But for with John Wall there, you're thinking, all right, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll still make the playoffs probably and make a bit of a run possibly, depending on their matchup. Who knows? They have James Harden, right? But now they've completely shattered it. It's over. They've blown it up. Houston is going to start from scratch over the next five seasons. The Nets are going for it. And the Pacers and the Cavs picked up some of the pieces along the way. So this has been a crazy couple of days in the sports world with this trade because four teams are involved too much more than others. Obviously, it's really, the deal really impacts the Nets and the Rockets the most. The Rockets are, are saying, you know what, we're, we're pulling the plug. Listen, they get Victor Oladipo, right? They get Oladipo and Wall, but those are two injury-prone guys that they're going to throw out there and as a backcourt night in and night out. I mean... In the West, I don't know if that's good enough to make the playoffs. It, they're in the conversation. I'm not saying that. But that is that is not a given that they, that Houston's making the playoffs with those two guys. They're, you could argue not even injury away. They're just, they might not be good enough. So this is, this is a rebuild now. This is a rebuild for Houston. They got some pieces other than Oladipo, but they're not big pieces at all. They're not going to do a ton to help that roster it's really those picks that's why houston did this deal with brooklyn they got the picks they wanted from brooklyn and they got the 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 unprotected first round pick swaps as well so this is seven years impacted of drafts by by the nets holy smokes it's 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 a wild trade it really is and again, you thought Brooklyn and Boston did a crazy deal when KG and Paul Pierce got traded to the Nets. Oh man, it doesn't even hold a candle to that. That's how many picks we're talking about, how many swaps we're talking about in this trade. I would argue early on, early on, this trade looks pretty good for the Pacers. They snagged a future pick 
from Houston. I know they gave up Victor Oladipo, but Karis LeVert is not a bad game. He is an all-star potentially now in Indiana. That's not a bad deal for the Pacers. I know they just, again, Victor Oladipo was saying during the offseason, well, you know, I don't want to go, but privately that probably wasn't the case. And the Knicks were, you know, were in on him. A few other teams were in on him as well. Turns out he definitely want. well, ter- turns out whether or not he wanted the trade or not, he gets dealt. And here we are, a four-team blockbuster. And, and by the way, the other thing I was thinking was, man, there's nobody that's, unless your name's LeBron James, you're tradable. Holy smokes. It, it's incredible what can be done in the NBA. Blockbuster trades, I mean, that's that, that's the NBA's middle name at this point. It's incredible. And James Harden will get his chance. He, he asked for it. Ask and you shall receive if you're as good as James Harden. And we'll see if his wish comes true. It's really incredible. I guess I'll leave it there. I, I, I'm just, I'm honestly, part of me is shocked they made the deal. If I'm Brooklyn, I, I feel like if you're the Nets, you could have waited. James Harden's a tough piece to move. I don't think anybody else gets him. I feel like the Nets could have waited on this and maybe struck at a different time to try and get James Harden. Part of me, when I when I first read the headline, was, oh, did they need to do that? You know, again, the second thing was, man, Nets fans should be excited, but some Nets fans are not. Some Nets fans are worried. So this is, you know, again, this is all all or nothing for Brooklyn. It's a championship or huge bust here. Because the future is now for Brooklyn. They traded the future. It's gone. The future is now 31-year-old James Harden. And James Harden still has three years left on his contract. So he's going to become an unrestricted free agent in 2023. That's a big that's a big build afoot. So Brooklyn, I mean again, they're gonna have three chances at it. They got this year, 2021-2022, and the year after to try and win a championship. Remember the question we asked, and this is this is the last thing I'll say about this. About Tyler Hero with with the Heat. Would you trade Tyler Hero? to get a player that can help you win a championship right now if you're Miami? Or would you rather have eight great years of Tyler Hero and maybe win a championship with that core, with Adebayo and Robinson and and that group? Jimmy Butler, that, that core, for a good chunk of those eight years while he's good. The Nets have their answer. The answer is we want to win right bleeping now. The Nets have not been to the NBA Finals since they were the New Jersey Nets back in 2000 and they lost to the Lakers. Will they go back with this group? It'll be very interesting to see. But I remember saying the Nets, I had the Nets, I think, sixth in the East. That That's not good enough now. With Harden, no way.
Not going to get it done. The Nets now are, are should be a top three team in the East. Easily. Or there's problems already. So we'll see. But holy smokes. The NBA pulled a fast one on us. Right at the start of the season. And now we see how Brooklyn will do with KD, James Harden, and Kyrie. Let's end the show on the NBA as a whole here. Only because some stuff has literally just come across. Oh, as we've been doing the show. Literally, as the show has been has been recorded. There's been stuff that, that's come across here in the new you know, over the news wire. Warriors game in Phoenix postponed due to COVID-19. The Suns were exposed apparently to Wizards players who tested positive during the early stages of the week and now they cannot play their game moving forward. I was actually checking the schedule. I was potentially going to watch that game actually, but now the game is not going to happen, at least not right now. And literally, this news literally just came across while I was recording the podcast. The Celtics have have to move their game to Friday due to COVID. And the Suns, again, COVID continues to hit them. They might be missing out on another game. So, a lot of moving pieces right now in the NBA due to COVID-19. It, it's one of those things at the moment where a lot of teams are impacted. Three more games from the NBA have been postponed. So it's it was expected. This was always going to happen. So it comes, just to put it all in summation, Phoenix has two games called off. And the Wizards, who were going to go play Detroit the day this podcast is out on Friday, as you're listening, basically. They were going to go play Detroit, the Wizards were, with Russell Westbrook. That game is postponed as well. And a lot of this due to contract trade, contract, excuse me, contact tracing, pardon me, contact tracing involving the Suns and the Wizards. So three more games postponed. And this week alone, the league has had to postpone eight games. And, and that's actually another reason why I'm really hoping the Knicks can beat the, the Cavaliers in their next game. When they go for four on the road out west, who knows what's going to happen? We just don't know. It's tough. It's tough to travel that much. So I'm, I'm worried about the Knicks. I, I hope they're able to stay healthy during that stretch because, again, if they get games postponed, it's not going to help. It's not going to help them get back on track. So... That's me as a fan worrying about that, but you have to look at the rest of the league as well. Very, very tough what they're going through. For me personally, you know, dealing with, with college hoops a lot right now as well, it's it's difficult right now. A lot of teams are in tough shape as far as COVID, the scheduling. There's, a, there's ideas being thrown around every day. I've talked with a number of coaches about this throughout the last couple of weeks. And th- even in college, they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The whole format could change tomorrow. So it, it, there's been college coaches that have come out and said, we don't need to finish the season. Just figure out a way to get it done in time so we can do March Madness. We don't have to play all of these games. 
you know, and, and trying to incorporate a bubble, that kind of a thing as well. So it's, it's, it's plaguing all of sports, college basketball, NBA basketball, WNBA basketball, everyone's affected. And we knew it was coming, but because of the way the pandemic has continued to be handled, we're still dealing with these issues. And again, despite the fact that we have a vaccine, it's not being pushed out as quickly as was promised to us. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens over the next two weeks in particular. It really is. So I, I, again, stay safe out there. Please wear a mask. I'm still seeing people out there not wearing them. It's unbelievable. You got to go out there and wear a mask and socially distance yourself from others. You've got to do it. That's the only way. Because again, the vaccine's coming, but you got to still do your part. You've still got to do your part. It's one of those things. So while you're doing your part, hopefully you're enjoying the NBA hoops. And again, knock on wood, hopefully the teams can stay as safe as they possibly can. And you can stay safe as, as safe as you possibly can moving forward. So you guys stay safe out there. I'm going to end the show on that. Guys, thanks as always for listening to the podcast. You guys have been fantastic week in and week out listening to the show. I, I can't thank you guys enough for doing so. In the meantime, make sure you check us out on iTunes. Leave us a good rating and review there if, you, if you'd if you like. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime you want, at SJ7. Let me know your thoughts on the Knicks, the NBA, or anything in particular. You guys sometimes hit me up on non-sports stuff. Go for it. It's That's why my Twitter account is there, so go for it. Hit me up there or in the comments on postingandtoasting.com. Until then, I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Mix podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.